Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. Amen. You may be seated. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 9. That's Genesis, chapter 9. Today is the fourth and final message of our series hot topics and these are hot topics because these are topics that are debated not only in our culture but unfortunately they're debated in the church as well so today's message is titled what does the bible say uh, earlier actually two weeks ago there was a piercing alarm that was going off at work and, you know, they have an alarm for everything, <laughs> tornado, fire, shooter in the building. I mean, everything. So you don't, you don't really know what the alarm is for. Anyway, it happened to be a malfunction. And so the alarm was so piercing in the area that I was working, I had to use hearing protection, the little foam things that you squeeze and roll, and then you put them in their ear, and they expand. And when I did that, it blocked out all the noise surrounding I could hear it faintly but I felt like this peace come in me like ah, oh, I can hear my internal thoughts <laughs> I can hear my heartbeat actually <laughs> and so it was refreshing uh, the world around me was drowned out and I had this and oftentimes when I do prepare uh, in my study for messages I I will put on earmuffs uh, even though it may be quiet it just gives me this inner peace of knowing everything is locked in right here and I can hear the word of God I can see the word of God and I can meditate fully upon the word of God all sound is blocked out and so that's what God wants for us as Christians there's a lot of noise in the world and a lot of it is given by emotion and it's not based upon reason and logic and it certainly isn't grounded and rooted in biblical truth and as Christians we are committed to what the Bible has to say remember I've said this many times over the last four weeks our starting point is the Bible it's not what any a court has to say a president a politician a teacher a lawyer it's not our emotions we don't start there we start with the scriptures and so that's what we're going to do again today because everything of Christianity comes from the Bible and so we need to agree with what the whole Bible has to say we're not able to take the salvation and the goodness and kindness of Jesus Christ and apply it to our lives yet leave out certain things that our emotions don't like we cannot do that it's all or nothing we got to take it all right the word of God so this is what we're going to learn today okay we show our love for God by keeping his word and commands and we are called to commit to God's word and not to justify sin. We are called to commit to God's word and not justify sin. Let's look at Genesis chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 11 through 13. Okay? And this is what it says here. 
I establish my covenant with you. This is God talking to Noah after the flood. I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. That means forever and ever. I set my bow in the cloud. That's the rainbow. I set my bow in a cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. I like to see rainbows. In fact, on several occasions throughout the summer at our house, we get to see a double rainbow after it rains and the sun comes out. It's a, uh, from our front porch, it's almost like God made it just for us, a big double rainbow. It's a strong and brightly colored reminder that God promised never to flood the earth again with water and destroy all life. This month I have seen many rainbows. As you know from my day job, I travel from downtown to downtown Cincinnati at least once a week. And on my drive down 6th Street through the heart of the city, many buildings are decorated with the beautiful colors of the rainbow. The decor is not there, however, as a reminder of God's promise to humanity, but it is there for another reason. When the Lord Jesus Christ spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness, he was tempted to sin against God by Satan. Satan used one of his most common ploys against Jesus, and that is to distort the meaning of the scriptures. Jesus, of course, did not yield to Satan, but responded with the true meaning of the scriptures. The rainbow belongs to God, it is a symbol of his promise to us, and even today, Satan is working to change the meaning of the things of God. The Bible also belongs to God, and it is his written revelation to us, teaching us how to have a loving relationship with him. John fourteen fifteen says this, If you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What does the Bible have to say about homosexuality? The purpose of this message is to bring the Bible's words to light regarding homosexuality. It is not my intent to zero in on this particular sin and condemn it unmercilessly. But the culture that we live in today is in full attack mode. And they're wanting to force us to agree with a lifestyle and teach our children that this is good and acceptable. However, the Bible simply will not allow that. It is not good enough to disagree. The culture wants us to say not only that we agree that it's good, but that it's acceptable. Some, day, or some say that it's judgmental to call homosexuality sinful. Well, I believe that reading the Bible and agreeing with it is not judgmental. It's wisdom. Some will say the Bible teaches there are all kinds of sins. Why focus on this one? I acknowledge that also. But the culture is not in a hot topic debate about theft. The culture, and unfortunately the church, is in a debate about sexuality. We talk all the time about other sins. But homosexuality gets a pass because of the strong emotions tied to it. 
today I want to let the Bible speak for itself on homosexuality and there are those who will never agree with the Bible but this message is for those who struggle or feel trapped in sexual sin and are looking for hope and a way for escape there is hope so what does the Bible say about homosexuality we're going to look at two passages from the Old Testament and I'll give you three from the new it says this first of all in Genesis 18 20 and you all know from uh, your study in scripture what was happening at Sodom and Gomorrah um, it was uh, cities filled with violence there were a whole lot of sins going on but homosexuality was one of those that was going on and God looked down upon it and he said this the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great and their sin is exceedingly grave Leviticus 18:22 says this you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female it is an abomination abomination that's a very strong word that the Bible uses there it means detestable it actually in its full context means something that causes someone to vomit is what that means and that word is used in that context now in the New Testament we see several scriptures here Romans chapter 1 verses 25 through 27 for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than a creator who is blessed forever amen for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural and in the same way also men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their heir some very strong adjectives being used by the Lord first Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 10 do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God do not be deceived nor the, neither fornicators idolaters adulterers effeminate nor homosexuals nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revelers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God so in the context there he compares homosexuality with all of these other sins as well first Timothy chapter 1 verses 8 through 10 but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous person but for those who are lawless and rebellious for the ungodly and sinners the unholy and profane for those who kill their fathers or mothers for murderers immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching so the Bible is very clear that homosexuality is not God's plan for us but the Bible is very clear about what it states for those who struggle and feel trapped like there's no escape there is hope and it begins by focusing on the character of God the question has never been if God loves people or does God love people engaged in homosexuality it has never been that the question has always been and continues to be do we love God God is love 
And God tells us how to demonstrate love to him. God is love. 1 John 4, 8 says this, the one who does not love does not know God for God is love. How did God show his love for us? God is not only love, but God gets to define what love is and how God is demonstrated. God demonstrated his love for us, first of all, by doing this. He demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. While we were thefts, while we were murderers, while we were drunkards, while we were doing all these sinful things, even homosexuality, he died for us. Christ died for us. He said, my love for you is so big and so powerful that even though you do these things, which I condemn, I still will give my life for you and I will love you unconditionally in this way. And so God demonstrated his love for us in this way. And so he gets to define what love is. And so because he gets to define what love is, he also gets to tell us how we love him. And so this is what God says. You know, we have relationships. And I was recently challenged by someone to define what a Christian is. And it was a tough uh, question because, you know, the common thing we want to say is, well, anybody who loves God, who uh, confesses Jesus Christ, with uh, in their faith and, and loves him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength is a Christian. But there are other things that need to be done, right? There's a relationship. You would not say it was a very good relationship if you did whatever it is that you wanted to do and then came home and always asked that person for forgiveness. Because you said, well, this person must forgive me. This person says they forgive me and they will forgive me. I'm going to go out here and I'm just going to do whatever it is that I want to do because this person is a loving person. You would not say that that's a good relationship. What you would say is because of this person's love and grace toward me and the forgiveness that they offer, I am going to love them in return. And that's what it means to have a relationship with God. He loves us. He demonstrated it by what he did for us. We show our love for him by our actions. And what does he say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Look what it says there, John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He doesn't say if you love me, you'll do whatever you want and ask me forgiveness. He says you will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to me and make we will make our abode with him. God gets to define love. Now, one of the rallying cries or one of the statements that people who are engaged in homosexuality is love is love. It doesn't matter. I can love this person. I can love whoever it is that I choose. Right? And for most of us, we would say, you know what? What you do behind closed doors is your own business. That's fine. But we're not at that point. We are in a culture now that says, no, you have to say that this is good and acceptable and you have to allow this and you have to teach it to your children as good and acceptable. 
Okay? That's where we're at right now. <clears throat> I notice right now, uh, we hit pause. Can you hit pause? So um, that, that is a cry. Whoever we want to love, we can love. And, and most of us would be, okay, you do what you want to do behind closed doors. But don't force that upon me, right? But what we want to see here is that love is not love how we think it. God is love, right? God is love, and God defines love, and he gets to say what love is. And if God says, you know, this thing is not love, then we cannot say that homosexuality is love. God says homosexuality is, and we saw the adjectives in the Bible, abominable, detestable it's not sound teaching it means homosexuality is not love and that's what makes this sin so particularly dangerous is that it disguises itself as love but in the end it always leads to sickness and death and again the timing of these messages is impeccable uh, on God's part because just this week the CDC came out with a report that said right now currently in the United States we have one of the worst outbreaks of meningococcal in the history of our country and this is what they said uh, 26 cases and seven deaths have occurred all among homosexual and bisexual men the CDC is recommending and I'm quoting that men who have sex with other men be vaccinated for this, particularly if you live in Florida. That's what the CDC recommends. God recommends turning away from that and loving God. It's a tough message because we have friends, coworkers, family that we love, that we care deeply for, that are engaged in these types of lifestyles. And our tendency is to say, well, it's okay. God loves them anyway. Of course God loves them. That's never been the question. But loving someone and salvation are two very independent things. Salvation through faith in Jesus Christ comes from a relationship, a mutual relationship between two parties, a, um, living in con a connection with terms that have been agreed upon God says you have salvation and everlasting life if you have faith in me now that word faith and believe it means to commit and to entrust it doesn't simply mean to take advantage of God's grace and mercy by doing whatever in the world it is that we want to do and claiming victory in Jesus that is not the life of a Christian that is called a bad relationship. And if you do that in your human relationships, that will not last very long, right? That's called being very selfish and not really taking what God has to say into consideration at all. If loving God means keeping his commandments and his word, then we cannot support or applaud or celebrate homosexuality as a suitable life choice. God is love and he defines love and God is also just. God is just. And because God is just, God doesn't make people sin. James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. 
to evil. Another thing that we'll commonly hear is that I was born this way. I was made this way. I'm homosexual because I was born this way. The Bible says God doesn't make anyone sin or tempt anyone to sin. If God the Almighty, perfect and holy and loving in all ways, could you imagine a God like that creating someone who was given over to that lifestyle and then condemning them for it? The injustice of a God like that. I will make you this way just so I can say how evil that is and wicked that is. Think about that. Use the logic of the scriptures here. I will make you simply for destruction. I will make you simply to condemn you. No, God doesn't do that. God creates people made for love. God doesn't create people made for his condemnation. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came to the world in order to save it. People are already lost in their sin. The world is lost in its sin. It's those who come to faith in Jesus Christ who will be saved. And that was the message that Jesus was bringing. The world is lost and dying, but here I am to save you from it if you will cling to me. So God is just. He's perfectly righteous, perfectly good, patient, and abounding in loving kindness. And he desires for none to perish, but for all to come to repentance. I've read that many testimonies this week of men and women who spent years struggling with sexuality, uh, with homosexuality in particular, um, that were able to break free of that lifestyle through faith and trust and commitment in Jesus Christ and who currently now are living lives where they're not only living for God, but they're in service to the Lord, teaching others about how to break free from this type of sexual sin. I read a, um, a testimony of a man named Beckett. He was a Hollywood set designer, very wealthy, had a lot of fame. And he hung out with a lot of A-listers there in Hollywood. He was at a coffee um, shop one afternoon with another friend. And he saw a group of young Christians with their Bibles open, reading the Bible and praying together. And him and his partner were at the coffee shop. And they were mocking, uh, quietly mocking these Christians. And then uh, all of a sudden, they began to strike up a conversation with them. Hey, are you Christians? Yes, we are. Blah, 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 blah. Some time went by. An hour later, he asked them the $64 million question, what do you think about homosexuality? And these young teenage Christians said, well, we believe that it's a sin. The Bible teaches that. And so he said that right then and there, he felt conviction. He said that at all the times, even before this encounter with these Christians, he said that when he had engaged in that activity, he felt that he was doing something wrong. So he previously had conviction. They invited him to church. He went to church and he gave himself to Jesus Christ. And from that time, he has not gone back to homosexuality, but has lived a life uh, living uh, in sexual purity uh, abstaining also from sex outside of marriage. So uh, we also have another testimony of a man named Robert. 
he experienced an incredible emptiness in his life for many years uh, he was trapped in homosexuality he had gone into this life after previously being married to a woman and having a child fathering a child then he went into homosexuality he said he felt this incredible emptiness and what he found is that his emptiness was a spiritual emptiness he had no longer saw fit to acknowledge God in his life and so as the scripture says he was given over to a debased mind a depraved mind that's the type of things that will happen when we push God to the side so he acknowledged his need for God and he has been living a life dedicated to the Lord ever since free from the chains of homosexuality something else you'll hear is that God accepts me for who I am first John 4 10 says this and this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent us his son to be the propitiation for our sins God accepts me the way I am my dear friends God doesn't accept anyone for the way they are I will say that again God doesn't accept anyone for the way they are if God accepted us for the way we were he would not have sent Jesus Christ to the cross in order to pay the penalty spill his own blood for our sins when you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ he's not looking at us and saying oh you are so good righteous and holy he is looking at his son Jesus because your life is now hid in the life of Jesus Christ when God looks at you he is seeing Jesus Christ there's a theological term it's called imputed righteousness God doesn't look at you we're filthy sinners we are in need of salvation we hey listen every one of us in here has sinned against God can we just be honest about that yes we are all sinners okay we are in need of God's grace we need God's grace without that grace we have no future no hope he took Jesus Christ's righteousness Jesus was a sinless man lived a perfect and holy life he is God in the flesh when he spilt his blood and gave his life for us and based upon our belief and our faith in him he says I will take you in the condition that you are and I will hide you in my son and the righteousness of Jesus Christ covers you so when I look at you I don't see you I see Jesus because God cannot look upon sin boy isn't that humbling that is humbling but you know what God says I will exalt those who humble themselves and I will humble those who exalt themselves it is a very healthy way of thinking to be humble to the point to where you know you couldn't do anything to save yourself it was all the work of God if God didn't give Jesus Christ on the cross there would be no salvation so you thank God in heaven that he did not accept us the way we are were because if he did he would say well I see them down there look at them they're thieves they're drunks they're uh, molesters they're homosexuals they're this that they're every daggone sin that we uh, condemn in our word there should be no salvation for them but he didn't do that he said you know what I will not accept 
this. I will not accept them the way they are. I will offer them salvation through my son Jesus Christ. I will send him anyway to die for them. Amen. What a good and holy God we serve. Don't we serve a good God? Isn't he good? He is good all the time and righteous. And because he is good, he also doesn't like false teaching. You say, well, our society treats this different from other sins. And they do. Why? Why the confusion? Why is this looked at differently? I told you earlier, because it disguises itself as love. And it's not. Bible says, God says. But it also comes from bad teaching. It's bad teaching. We have people in the pulpit in this country. We have large denominations that have decided not to follow the Bible as it is stated in Scripture, but to go along with the culture. And this is what they say. Well, the times are changing. The world's changing. No, people change. God doesn't. God doesn't change. Truth doesn't change. Truth stays the same. What's written here is what's written in heaven. And these are the standards that will be followed in heaven. People change. Cultures change. The world changes. God doesn't change. What's written here is written in heaven, has been written for all eternity, and is established forever and forever. And God defines love. God is just. He doesn't create people for the purpose of sexual sin. Because God is good. And God is good. And he says this is not a good thing. God is good. And so God gets to set the standard for living. Look at what the scripture says in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God. That's the whole complete Bible that we have. It's all inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. That means the Bible is good for all those things right there. Why aren't we as a society following the scriptures? Because we believe we know more than God. We believe that we're smarter than God. My emotions tell me this is right. And that Christianity is judgmental. No, it's not going to be that way, my friends. You have victory in Jesus, and you have victory over the world. God sets the standard for living, and he ended it at Sodom and Gomorrah. Why did God do such a thing? We read the scriptures. We know what happened there. He rained hell of fire down upon those cities. And Abraham contended with him. He said, God, will you destroy the city on account of ten righteous people in the midst of all that? And God said, no, I will not. I will withhold my justice and my wrath on account of ten righteous people. Guess what? There were not even ten righteous people there. God destroyed the city. Why did he do that? Because he loves humanity. Humanity would have been destroyed if he hadn't done that. Remember, humanity always works to destroy itself because we're sinful, right? Our heart is wicked and evil. We destroy ourselves, right? So God said, I love humanity. I will not allow this to continue. Why? Because this is a dangerous sexual sin and it spreads like wildfire. 2004, there was one state in our country that legalized uh, homosexual marriage, Massachusetts. By 2015, in 10 years, all 50 states legalized 
homosexual marriage. It spread like wildfire. It was like that strong wind that knocked over that Bradford pear. It came in, and I remember it. I remember it very vividly. I said, there's a strong spiritual wind coming upon this country, and bam, every state was legalizing it. Boom, boom, boom. Every week it seemed like you heard about it. And then a Supreme Court ruling came out and approved it for all 50 states. Right now, there's a strong push in our country to allow drag queens in the school to read to children. I'm not making this up. I actually saw this not on a cable news station, on my local news station. I saw the video. I saw the man dressed as a woman in very revealing clothing in an elementary school reading children's books to children. I could not believe my eyes. But this is where we are and this is where the world is. Um, recently, in a pastor in Evansville, Indiana came behind the pulpit dressed in drag. A man dressed as a woman delivering a message showing his support for that type of lifestyle. Now, to the credit of the church, he was fired. But God sets the standard of living. And because God is good and sets a standard of living, look at this. He is willing to forgive sin. God is willing to forgive sin. In fact, that title there shouldn't say there is no greater love. It should say God is willing to forgive sin. Psalm 86, 5, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant and loving kindness to all who call upon you. But in order for sin to be forgiven, it must be acknowledged. Listen, nobody asks forgiveness for something that they don't think is wrong. Look, if you had an abortion or think abortion's fine, but you say that you're forgiven of that sin, but you never acknowledge that it's wrong, I would say that that's probably not forgiven because why would you confess something you don't think is wrong? People don't do that. In order for sin to be forgiven, it must be acknowledged first as wrong, then confessed, and then we turn to God and we say, forgive me of this, and then it's forgiven. We have to ask. God doesn't automatically forgive. We have to ask for the forgiveness of those sins, right? It must be acknowledged. And then God is faithful to forgive that sin. So what is our response to all of this? Well, number one, we love God with all our heart, all our mind, soul, and strength. That is the first step to loving people is loving God. Loving people, we have to first start loving God. And we cannot justify sin. We love God and we cannot justify sin. How do we associate with those in our lives who are actively engaged in this type of sexual sin? We cling to God tighter and we treat them with dignity. We cling to God, we trust him more, and we pray to God for their eyes to be opened and to commit to the word as absolute biblical truth. And practically, we have to treat these people with respect. I say these people. Folks that are engaged in this type of sin, look, we all struggle with certain sins, okay? I'm not trying to outcast them as this special group. All I'm saying is that I'm talking about this particular sin because this is a hot topic, okay? But for any other sin just like this, 
The Bible has to be adhered to. God has to be adhered to. We have to surrender to him with all of our hearts. And we cannot give approval to that type of lifestyle. It doesn't do anyone any good to applaud people for being brave because they came out of the closet. That is not how to properly go about this. But we treat them with respect. We treat people with dignity. And we simply share with them what God's plan for them is. From that position, God will be on your side. It's a tough issue. It really is. It's a hot topic. And I tell you, a lot of ministers wouldn't touch it with a 39 and a half foot pole. But hey, you got to do what you got to do. God commissioned me to preach the Bible and to preach the truth. And that's what I'm going to do until the day I die. That could be the last message I ever preach, but I got to do it, right? You got to do what you're called to do. And God will be faithful and true to stand by you. Folks, we have to love. We have to love people, treat them with respect and dignity, not be so uh, hasty to single out one particular sin, but to look at all sin for what it is. We are all in need of Jesus Christ, and we all need his salvation, and that's what we should pray for. Heavenly Father, let's pray. Father God in heaven, we do thank you, Lord God, that you offer this wonderful salvation for all sinners, no matter what sin that we are involved in. Father, I know that conviction comes upon us all. Just hearing the different sins that the Bible lists can pierce us and cut us to the quick. Because, Father, we all know that there are things in our lives that we need to clean up and that we need to get out so that we aren't hypocrites. Father God, you bless those who come to you and make that good effort to follow your commands. Father God, let us be a church that seeks to follow you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And not to just cast away so easily your grace, your love, and your mercy, but to be in a true relationship with you where we acknowledge what you have already given and we give back that same love. That all starts with a relationship with God. If you would like to begin a relationship with God, you can do it right now, right where you are. You can ask Jesus Christ into your life. Just say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. Lead me and guide me into all truth. I believe in your promises. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. You are the Son of God. You can pray that right now. And if you do pray that, please see me after the service today. We'll talk about what's next in following God and his commands. He asks us to follow him in baptism, believers' baptism, to show our proof of our faith through that simple act. Father, you are good, you are righteous and holy, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me as we praise the Lord? Thank you for listening to the Sunday message by Pastor Nick Stringer at Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www.creekside-church.org and find us on the website. Once again, you've been listening to the Sunday message with Pastor Nick Stringer.